Well, John, when you were diagnosed with terminal cancer last year, what was your initial reaction? Well, it wasn't like I was diagnosed with terminal cancer straight away. I mean, it became obvious as time went on that um, the condition was terminal, although it was kind of the word you never want to hear. But um, in the consulting room when the first diagnosis came, I felt an amazing sense of God's peace and felt me, me, I heard my lips move and heard words come out saying, we have here no continuing city. And um, I don't know where that came from. But from that moment on, I just had a complete peace about the whole situation. Complete and utter peace about the whole situation. Which has been quite wonderful, really. Yeah. So as the sort of, from the initial diagnosis to where you are now, I mean, how have you found this last uh, year? Well, some of the treatments have been pretty unpleasant. There's no getting away from the fact that chemotherapy is, is basically poisoning you and it's just not very nice. But on the other hand, you just know the Lord's sustaining hand through it all and somehow you just kind of feel that this is God's plan for your life and, and you just grind your way through it, really, if grind is the right word. And, and that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah. I, I just feel very, very strongly that God is a sovereign God and that there's no... There's no mistakes made, you know. His will for me is perfect, and in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got everything I need. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and in, in a way, as time goes by, you kind of feel like you're being stripped of everything else, and that Jesus is all you've got left. And, and that's all you need. Yeah. I mean, just to sort of, obviously, you mentioned last year has been a time of, of suffering. Um, and so I might say, yes, I'm suffering, and in, and with my mind, I'm sort of trusting God that God has everything in control. But you speak in very personal terms of having peace. Mm. I mean, yeah. can you say a bit more about that? You talk about Christ giving you peace and Christ being with you. Well, I mean, one of the things that happened to me was during the first operation. You kind of feel that during that first operation, I was a very, very low point and that really didn't think I was going to make it. But you just know that God is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. And when you've had the experience of God being with you in the valley of the shadow of death, you just know he's never going to leave you again. And, and that is very, very precious. Very, very precious and very, very powerful. So yeah, being, being, being there is, is a very learning experience really. Yeah. So it's just, <coughs> you, speak, you can speak of a the Lord being, um, he's real, but it's a felt reality. He's very much so. You when, I, when the needs have grown greatest. Very, very much so, yeah. Conscious most of his presence. Very, very much so. But he, he meets with you through the word, and you know, the word comes into your mind, and, and that's how Christ meets with you with, with, through his word in your mind. Well, that's how it is for me anyway. Mm. So, someone might sort of ask the question, they say, well, you know, we... We believe that God is is a loving God, and and God has your your highest interests at heart. But if that's the case, why why hasn't He healed you? Well, while it's possible that God could heal me, and we we know that in some cases God does heal in response to the prayers of God's people, it's it's not a given. God is sovereign, and His plan for me may well be to to take me home and. In a sense, 
don't want to sound trite about it, but healing comes from being in heaven. Because in, in heaven you're a spirit of just men made perfect. So you're not ill anymore, you don't have any sin, any, any enduring sin. No pain, no tears, no no suffering at all. So, I mean, in a sense, being being in the presence of Christ in heaven is is a better healing than you'll ever get on earth. Because if, you, if you're healed on earth, you'll, you'll just get ill and die again. I mean, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but he, he still had to go through death again. So, in a sense... If, if you you know if you pray for me to be healed, then I will be healed in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no, in a sense, as it doesn't make any difference, but because clearly it does. But at the end of the day, healing in heaven is probably preferable yeah. to being healed on earth. Yeah, there's a sort of old, there's an ultimate healing, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. I, 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 um, and it lasts forever. Yeah, that, that's that lovely promise, isn't it? When um, Mm. Uh, God will wipe away every tear, every tear. No, 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 no more suffering or crying yeah. or death or pain and it's a very um, I know when I was little my uh, I remember coming home crying one day and um, mm. being beaten up by some buddies or whatever oh. I remember my mother saying to me she wiped the tears from me she said it's alright you're home now mm-hmm. and there's that sense isn't there with, yeah. with, with heaven it's the ultimate healing yeah it is because it's home you'll be home yeah yeah so yeah. just, just, I mean, <clears throat> having said all those things, death nevertheless is an enemy. It is. And death is something which we, we all fear. Yeah. So how are, how are you facing your own death? Well, I don't. You know, in the sense that one of the verses that God gave me at the beginning was, each day has enough trouble of its own, so I don't visualise the end. I just know that when I'm there, God will be with me. And in the meantime, I live each day at a time, and you know, just feel that God is with me in this day, and and, it, and it's to be used well. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't brood about or worry about what it's going to be like at the end, because in, in a sense, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And you just feel that feel that you you can spend the time better. Yes, yes. So I do, or try to anyway. So there's a sense that as, as you as you face each day and and one day will be your last day in this yeah, world yeah. that God you're trusting every day into God's hands and God is is very, with you very much so, so you don't have to worry about that final very much day so, yeah. and what it might bring because His presence yeah. and His grace yeah, sorry, is enough for each day. I need to move it. John, we're talking about yeah. Um, Going home, going to be with the Lord, <clears throat> going to heaven. Uh, isn't it a bit impersonal to sort of think that that you're going to heaven? What, is it because you think you're good enough? What, why do you why do you look forward, as it were, beyond the immediate horizon, which is death, and look forward to another horizon, which is heaven, and say, well, that's where I'm going? How can you be sure of that? Well, because because of what Jesus says Himself. He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." You know, and I've done that. So I can have confidence that, you know, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, I'm trusting totally in his atoning death on the cross. I believe the gospel is true. I believe it applies to me. I believe that God's given me saving faith. And believe that, yeah, you know, I've, I've always had quite a strong assurance that, you know, that I know these things to be true. And, um, 
God's given that to me. Can I just push you a little bit on that, though? Because, you know, to stand before God, who's the judge of all the earth, who knows our heart, who knows our secrets, yeah. you know that, as we all know, that there's no way I can stand before God and say, well, I'm, I'm a good person, I've lived a good life, no. I'm an innocent person. No, that's right. What, what, in, in thinking about that, and the day you must stand before him, and you're saying you know, you're trusting in Christ, what... How do the two connect together? Well, there are so many illustrations in the Bible that talk about how, how it works, but one of, the, one of my favourite illustrations is that you're basically given a robe, a white robe, which is like symbolic of the righteousness of Christ, and that's given to you and covers you up. So God doesn't look on your inward sin and on your old nature. He, he looks at the robe and see, sees the robe belonging to Christ. Sees, sees it pure and white and sees Christ's righteousness so when God looks at me he, he looks at Christ Christ's righteousness covers all my sin that's what I would say to that the, the Bible's full of different illustrations different aspects of of how you can see that same truth but ultimately that, that's that, that's not a bad one to to look at and that sense then as you look to the future and you look to we're speaking of heaven and your and your confidence of these things yeah it, it it doesn't rest on anything in John Tilson no it rests in everything in Christ on Christ's death on the cross yeah Christ's as someone put it you know the perfect life I've never lived he's yeah. lived and the death I deserve to die he's that's died. right yeah and because of him yeah totally totally yeah okay Okay, John, someone might be listening to this and saying, well, that's fine for John. John's facing these things. I'm very pleased for John. John's got comfort and reassurance. Yeah. But it's not for me. Or maybe if it is for me, I'll, I'll wait till I'm in John's situation. Yeah. And I feel I need a, a get-out clause, as it were, or get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. What would you say to people like that? Well, I would say don't be a fool. Because you're basically under the command of God. God commands all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. So it's not as if you have the option. You know, the command is on all humanity to repent and believe the gospel. So you need to do that while God is near you. And it's always best to do it too when you're in good health. And uh, Because when you're ill, you do find your energy levels really, really down and it's very, very hard to, to engage pretty much with anything sometimes. And it'll be much, much harder to seek God when you're ill. I'm not going to say it's impossible because you can think of the thief on the cross who said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and he did. So that the, the thief on the cross is with God in, in paradise even now. But, and, and God isn't half many one of us, so you can still seek God when you're ill. But it'll be that much more difficult. And God's promise is if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, but it has to be on the basis of acknowledging everything God says about himself and acknowledging everything God says about you, which is that you are a sinner, that you've got nothing to bring yourself, that your only hope is in Christ, and then that repentance comes from turning away from your own self-sufficiency and, and that sense in which you're master of your own destiny. And, you know, you might have God as some sort of back 
backseat driver ahead of the insurance policy. That's got to stop. You've got to put God at the, at the centre of your life, even even when you're not well, and, and just acknowledge before Him that you know you're you're as you are, and everything He says about you is true, and and that you want to put it right, and God will meet with you in that situation. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So as you say, so it's seeking God now. Yeah. Not putting it off, and also that's from right. What, from what you've said. Um, not just today, but over many days, is that is that the Lord is so wonderful to know. Well, why would you not why want to? Why would you ever yeah. put it off? And, and my hands are too small to hold my life. Only His hands yeah. are safe hands. Yeah. Well, it's one of, the, one of the great lies that's around in the world is that you know knowing, knowing God is restrictive. But Jesus said, "I've come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly." So why would you miss out on an abundant life when you when you're growing around in the dirt? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Abundant life and not even death. That's right. Can kill. That's right. I think it was you mentioned about the dying thief. I think it was someone who said um, that there were two thieves on the cross. That's right. And one was saved, but we might never despair. Yeah. Because however late it is, we can still come to the Lord. Yeah. But one wasn't saved, so we can't, so we can't presume that's because right. God only guarantees to give us one day when we can find Him. So true, yeah. And that's today. Yeah. So don't delay. Seek the Lord now. Yeah, absolutely. While we may be found. Absolutely. John, you've you've spoken of this last year has been a year of, of, of suffering and difficulty. The Lord's been very close. You've you've said that. Mm. But for someone watch, someone looking in from the outside, it looks like a disastrous year, a year to be forever avoided, and yet you said that you wouldn't have avoided this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, no, it's been, it's a funny thing to say, but in some years it's been the best year of my life, because of what I've learned about myself and about God, probably more of the other order really. You know, I've learned more of, more about Christ and Christian truth in this last year than I think I ever knew before. In terms of the reality, rather than the the head knowledge, it's just the reality, and it's. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy in terms of the suffering, but then I wouldn't have missed it for the world myself. And you really, it's 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 very hard to explain, but it's because of what you've learned, and also because of where I was before, you know, in terms of being spiritually complacent and living a sort of a, a half-hearted Christian life and laying up for myself treasure on earth and all that kind of stuff. And just moving out of that into a, a much, much fuller knowledge of Christ and, and just thinking through just even, even some of the most basic and simple things in his word, what do these truths actually really mean? Yeah, it's just been amazing. Yeah. And there's a sense, isn't there, where... Um we can, you know, when the sun is shining, we can mm. believe whatever we like, in a sense, because yeah. it doesn't, obviously it doesn't matter, but in a sense it's not making an impact on my day. It's only when, when the storm clouds gather yeah. that I actually, and, and, and that, that what I believe is being stress tested and I actually find out whether it's true, mm. it's real, whether yeah. God is, yeah. and God is true to his word and his promises are real, yeah, yeah. and he is the God who can be trusted. Yeah. Is that would that be 
in terms of this last year, stress testing, if I can put it like that, the promises of God, um, yeah, the reality been, of God. Certainly been stress tested, yeah. Yeah, it's just, just true, 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 true. Yeah. No, no one could ever convince me to be an atheist. Hmm. You know, you know, you know the reality of these things. And I just feel sad for people that, you know, in a sense, they don't know these things themselves. John, um, people talk of heaven, mm. um, but heaven could be rather sort of vague and fuzzy and ethereal. Um, when you talk of heaven, what what are you thinking of? Well, it's kind of there. There are all sorts of things about heaven that are kind of enigmatic, isn't it? Because the Bible says, "Well, you know, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man." The things that God has prepared beforehand for those that love Him, and then at the same time it talks about many mansions. So, in some senses, you've got visualization; in other senses, you've got things you can't visualize. So, I, I've I've tried to think about heaven a lot, but what always comes back to me is just the most important thing about heaven is that you see Jesus. <laughs> that that really is it. Everything else fades into insignificance because the Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land and you just gaze and gaze and gaze at Jesus. I, I know you're, you're in the company of other spirits that just been made perfect and the angels and all that good stuff too, but you know, you're all doing the same thing, all gazing at Jesus. So it's, it's very hard to, to visualise what heaven will be like, I find. On the other hand, it doesn't make it any less real, no. which is a funny thing to say because how can you visualise something that you know you can't really visualise? Yes. Yes. But it, it's still it's the reality of seeing Christ, yes. seeing Jesus. That's the main thing. Yes. That's all I would say about that. I'm always struck when I um, when you read what the Bible says. The Bible talks about a you know a new heavens and a new earth, yeah. resurrection bodies which will never die. And yeah. And run and not grow weary. Yeah. Uh, the company of of God's people, so it'll be a, yeah. a universe of love and belonging. It's a garden yeah. city, and yet yeah. the sort of crowning point. Yeah. It says the biggest thing of all those is that He's there. Yeah. The Lord is there. Yeah. Um, that's the crowning joy, because everything flows yeah. from Him. Talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb too, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's very, very easy to limit limit heaven to your own imagination, and I, I don't want to do that. So that that's really why I think why I'm kind of thinking more and more that, that it's about Christ. But yeah, I think I think as time goes by in the next few weeks, I will I will try and think about heaven a bit more because I think it's it, it is important and. Need to be ready to kind of go there. So, if that's God's plan for my life, yeah. Well, that's a great thing, isn't it? What makes a home a home is yeah. The father's there. Yeah. What makes a marriage yeah. a marriage? So he's yeah. It's to him. Yeah. It's all about him, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, John. As we've been chatting over the over the months, you yeah. said you know, John before all of this was enjoying life. And yeah. 
enjoying all that life had to offer. This has been a, a great shake-up for you. Yeah. If you had, if you have a conversation with your pre-cancer John, yeah. What would you be saying to him? Well, I think I answered that at the, one of the previous interviews, didn't I? In terms of, yeah. Um, well, you just realise that you're over-invested in this life. You're invested in your children, your grandchildren, your house, your cars. You know, your just life in general, really. And, and the, the curious thing about it is, I found about, about myself. I felt a, a strange sense of, sense of entitlement to the life I had, which was ridiculous, really. And I think that's why God had to shake me up like this, so that I lost that sense of entitlement. And really, how do, how do you stop investing in this life? Well, as I, as I thought about that more and more and more, I, th I think I, I've, I think it's essentially quite simple. Things that last in eternity are, are things to do with the salvation of other people. So any, any word that you've ever spoken that pushes someone on their journey into the kingdom of God, you know, we're, we're not all reapers of souls, but we can say a word in season and a word of witness here and there that makes you know, give someone a splinter in their mind so they think about these things and they can't put them down, you know. And the spirit applies that word. So, so do that. And and then and every every word you say that points someone on their journey to to finding Christ will last forever. And the other thing is, it says, you know, if you give someone a cup of cold water in my name, verily I say to you, you won't lose your reward. And I think that's pointing to the fact that even the most menial act of Christian service counts forever too. So. If you're a Christian person, then serve the Lord, and that, and that will last forever. You know, you can just become so distracted with legitimate things in this world. You know, God gives all things richly to enjoy, and, and they're perfectly legitimate activities. But what I would say about those those sort of things is, if, if you're going to have hobbies, try try and make them corporate and spend them with other Christian people, because fellowship with Christians around a game of football or a game of badminton and all the rest of it. Much, much more important than doing something like building a train set in your loft. You know, because it gives you the company. And iron sharpens iron, so try, try and choose those those hobbies and activ leisure activities that, that keep you in Christian company, I suppose is what I would say. And, and I, I regret that I didn't do that enough. Yeah, that's all I say about that. So is that, it, from what you're saying, there are there are two things which will outlive this world, this life, and that's people. Yeah. And that's obviously our relationship with the Lord. So invest. Yeah, invest in your walk with the Lord and invest in yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. And there's never a better time. Yeah. To be full on for Him than today, because today's the day that I've got to live for Him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Invest in your relationship with God, obviously too. That's that's one of the main things I. I missed out, yeah, you've got to invest in your relationship with Christ. Study the word on your own and all that sort of stuff. And if you're in a family situation too, though, it's very, very important to have that daily act of family devotions. Very, very, very important. Can't stress that enough. Because, you know, as a father of a household, you're responsible for 
leading your children to, to Christ. Yeah. And we've all done that and God's blessed us. John, any, any final words, anything you'd like to say? Well, I'm obviously concerned about some of the young people who've been raised in Christian homes who aren't aren't, aren't there yet, you know, who don't don't really feel they've got full assurance or haven't committed. And I just ask them, why, why haven't you? And you know, grace doesn't run in the blood. You've got no guarantees. But being raised in a Christian home is a huge privilege. But but you need you need to you need to maximise on your opportunity and really seek the Lord while you may be found, because you just don't know when. You know, you'll be taken out of your family situation and you'll be in a dark, dark place in a faraway country. And, and you need to, need to seek the Lord now while you've got the chance. Mm.